podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex. Getting, 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 getting. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this, the latest edition of ESSR Feature here on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. I'm your host this week, Stephen Wilson, and today. We're going to be looking a bit more of a current issue, and yes, it is a big issue to many people. It is the mistakes of WWE. Now, many people think we could be here all day talking about that, but we're going to narrow it down. We're going to mostly talk about the recent, uh, by recent, the last couple of years worth of WWE releases, the talent that they've just chucked out the door and let into the wild. And boy, have they let them into the wild, something awful. Uh, so yeah, we're going to be talking about that in the next uh, hour or so here. but. Before I get started, just the usual plugs for us here at the podcast. You can subscribe just by hitting the subscribe button on the podcast platform you're on and any other platform you use. We're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, we're on the mall. Uh, You can also find us on YouTube. We've got loads of great content on there. And of course, social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can find us there at Suplex Retweet. Now, when people get released from WWE, the common term is they've been future endeavoured. And I've got three panellists here who, in an ideal world, I would like to future endeavour for my podcast. But, hey-ho, they're here. And they're not going away anytime soon. We've got David Hopney, Alan McLucas, and Daniel Campbell. Guys, on a serious note, how are you? I don't know how to feel after that now. To be honest, Stephen, there's more chance that you get in future endeavours by the pod than the anyways. <laughs> you have a cure or something like that? Oh, would it be hard? <laughs> I have all the That's it. I have everything in my control. Really? Other than the other than the pod credit card? Campbell. Oh, David Campbell get that cancelled. But <laughs> he? Uh, the, the list of expenses, my God, they were everywhere, you know, hair care products, you know, uh, goat pedis. You know. <laughs> that bath bombs are a bit odd. You think Sarah would have been in there, but not even had when they were his. Anyhow, enough about David. He would, uh, you know, his ego would be inflated now that we're talking about him instead of the actual topic of the podcast this evening. It's like uh, he has a dynasty on things. Oh, God, I know. That or the other program that he's on and he gets voted the head of being the best on the show. Oh, I'm not going to play his anymore. as well, you know, the guy's just got so much going on. Mm, yeah, I suppose. But anyway, enough about him. Uh, we're going to talk about the subject, but that is mostly going to be about the releases in WWE over the last couple of years. But before we get into the 2020s times scale of thing, it's not obviously a new thing. Because, David, uh, WWE for many, many years have been doing releases quite regularly, you know. It's, it's been a common occurrence. Mostly after WrestleMania time, we seem to see a couple of names, often those who are like in the lower card, not getting used on TV, who do get let go by the company, as is quite a natural thing for a corporate company. Yeah, I think it's just sort of the old spring, spring cleaning process for any company. You know, sometimes you just got to, you know, and WrestleMania is sort of at the end of their financial year, so they have to keep a track of, you know, where the status of their employees are. And I only started noticing sort of major releases when I started following WWE properly since around, say, 2005. Now, obviously, some people left on their own accord, but there were just some folk who didn't have any choice in the matter and some got cut. 
but a few of these names you're right enough you know a lot of these were like lower mid card people who you know didn't really have a lot going for them and you know i think in some cases they'd be better off just with other promotions like some did go to other promotions in some cases but you can't have you know an overflow of talent you know you're just paying people and they're not really delivering any value on you but again that's not the the employees faults that's sort of partly responsible with the company as well yeah Alan, they're a big they've got a big big company who have a lot of wrestlers i mean i think even at the point of 2019 there was a point where many accused them of just holding wrestlers obviously so that was before the, the big mass releases you know but even before that they still had loads and loads of wrestlers there so it is always going to happen it's a natural thing in life that if they're, if they're not don't think they're bringing value to the company you know they can let them go you know obviously if that's in the terms of their contract well naturally i mean you think about it you take the four shows raw smart and nxt 205 live you only have a limited amount of time to get people on whether it be for promos whether it be for actual matches you know there's only so much time you have and you're talking we're consuming just one pay-per-view a month not the brand pay-per-views you're talking maybe 12, 13, a special year maybe. It doesn't give a lot of time to get an excess. Sometimes we're talking over 200 employees that are wrestlers, or sorry, I said employees in brackets there, to get onto the television, especially when you see your major stars appear at several points, kind of cutting promos that are up to maybe half an hour long in some shows. So it really does show that that has a bit, a bit of pure magic in there and if you can't break through that glass ceiling then really there's nowhere else for you to go but out the door yeah and uh, Daniel there's a uh, six hours of main programming as Alan kind of mentioned uh, no seven hours sorry um, NXT Smackdown and Raw and uh, there's obviously they've got the other programs that they use 205 Live main events superstars but to many of the wrestlers if they're only getting used in the latter three there may come a point that they decide, you know, they don't want to be there. They could obviously, there's obviously, before 2020, there was many times that people would ask for their own release, such as the likes of uh, Neville Pack. He was one of the great examples before that. And there's also examples, too, of guys who have done other stuff outside of wrestling that have led to them just generally being released, you know. So there is obviously differing circumstances there as opposed to just a spring cleaning, as Dave mentioned, just after WrestleMania. I mean, that is true. You look at anyone who's been on main event in 205 over the last couple of years, and some of the names will surprise you. And it's it's actually been a bit of a miracle, if I'm being honest, that some of these people haven't been released already, considering the huge names, like the huge like star power associated with their names, either from the time before joining WWE and even from things they've done now. You have a guy like Ricochet, who has been frequenting main event quite a lot recently, and it's not something you would have ever thought, given that it was only like not long ago that before the pandemic, he was in a rather forgettable world title match at uh, whatever pay-per-view it was, Super Showdown, I think. And it's quite, it's quite bizarre, because you look at the people who have been released in the lower card tier that we kind of talked about earlier. Over the years, you've seen just like, you know, the guys who were like frequent, I don't know, like Sunday Night Heat, Velocity or whatever, and then you move on, you get the odd person who would appear on Superstars, the original NXT. And then it's just, now it's like you don't know who is going. And that's the frightening part, is now it could be anyone. It could be a top tier guy, it could be the guy you'd went, they're still there? Really? Nah, they've got to have been released years ago. They wrestled yesterday? Shut up. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's a classic example. I mean, obviously, we com- if you were to compare the examples of now, the, one of the more prominent uh, historical release periods I remember before the last couple of years, 2016, we were just mm-hmm. after WrestleMania, they did release a bunch of the talent. But if you look at the names who were released on uh, the 6th of May that particular year, the names there are Hogswoggle, Alex Riley, Zeb Coulter, El Torito, Cameron, Santino Marella, King Barrett, and Damian Sandow. Now, Alan, potentially other than the, the last three I've mentioned there, if I told you any of the other of them got released from WWE in 2016, would you have really been surprised, as unfortunate as for the talent? I mean, the only one that's borderline would be Hornswoggle, because he was involved in so many different storylines over the years, but the rest, no, I wouldn't have been surprised to get the release. Um, I can see why they did release Hornswoggle, but they did have that point where he was with an honest raw GM, he was involved in storylines and random matches, but yeah, there was no surprise really with the rest of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And uh, D- Dave as well, in that particular year, there was the likes of Ryback and Alberto Del Rio. There were another couple of ones that got released that year. So probably, they, it's kind of, there was a, there's a lot of examples in WWE before this kind of recent period of time where there've just been these random single releases as well, which in a way take you by surprise. But at the same time, you're kind of like, mm, I'm not too sure. I mean, there is a bit of a contrasting one with that one, Ryback. Whoever is looked very unhappy running at WrestleMania that year, mm-hmm. and also that year we had Cody Rhodes who got built in Reese as well, who was probably took, we took more people by surprise. Yeah, there was um, there are some of those really sort of took me by surprise, like uh, King Barrett, Cody Rhodes, for example. Both guys had a ton of potential, like Ryback uh, and Rhodes specifically under the Stardust gimmick. I, I think you could tell they were just sort of their way out the door because they weren't happy uh, with the position they were in. And I think, I don't know if that's just, you know, maybe they just became sick of the creative direction, etc. But it's just another factor that plays into the release process. You know, people are actually demanding to be let out of their contracts because, you know, the, the place they're working isn't what they wanted it to be. And you could tell, you know, sort of in the latter stages of Ryback's WWE career, he was openly like trolling the fans and criticizing management, doing a few sort of CM Punk style moves in uh, Chicago at Payback one time against Kalisto. And people were just like eating it up like, okay, this guy's just being a massive troll now. So, but for the rest of them, it may, they may have just been victim of circumstance or wrong place at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, speaking of uh, Mr. Brooks, as uh, David mentions, uh, Daniel, one of the other years that's actually sprung to mind before we start talking about the, the last couple of years one, 2014 is probably a really, really massive one for releases as well. And I think in terms of the shock of a, you know, a mass bunch of releases, that year kind of was a standout up until 2020, because we had the point where uh, Drew McIntyre and Jinder Mahal both get released from the two-thirds of 3MB, you know, uh, Evan Bourne got released there as well, and we also had the scenario where the now Kenil Dashwood, known, uh, known then as Emma, was both released and reinstated in the same day. I do, yeah, that was, I believe it was something to do with uh, she was accused of stealing an iPad cover or something yeah. like that. And, yeah, and there was a whole like farce about how they, they dealt with it rather than 
might do what I think they had done previously for other wrestlers, which would be either suspend or investigate a bit further. They just sacked her right away. But then as soon as the internet reacted, they were like, okay, never mind. Let's uh, bring her back. Hi, how are you doing? Um, and it was it was just rather nonsensical there. But then you look at the, the way as well you look at those releases is 3MB had just came off of doing the the storyline with uh, Los Matadores and Hornswoggle and El Torito. We, we obviously cannot forget the WLC match that is it was originally a joke but then had the entire arena given the standing ovation like we we can't forgive we can't no we can't even forget that rather but going on to the other names that you mentioned like I mean Evan Bourne I completely forgot he was still on the contract by then to be honest because I know he'd been out for a while with a, a foot injury I believe mm-hmm. um but that they were like the kind of ones that you weren't surprised about the, the big one obviously that year as you mentioned and we alluded to earlier CM Punk uh, the biggest talking point of that was just purely he received the release on his wedding day which was not a good look for anyone hell releases are never a good look for WWE even if they're under circumstances of well we have to do budget cuts or this person's done something really bad so we have to let them go that was probably one of the worst situations they've ever had for it until recent times yeah, I mean, people question is like, why does CM Punk hold such a grudge with WWE? <sighs> There's maybe a bit of an example in there, you know, that he's, yeah. um, you know, I, I do at the reception. How you doing? Oh, by the way, Vince called you, get sacked. <laughs> I, I wasn't going back anyway, but I like your dudes. It's like, I do know that. A great example, because there was a, a big batch from released in that, that June period of time. You mentioned Devin Bourne, it was Teddy Long, Brodus Clay, Kurt Hawkins. Camacho, Yossi Tachu, Aksana, the two members of 3MB and JTG were all released then. And at that point, as WWE always do, they say it's budget cuts. It's all down to the money, you know. But Dave, and then fast forward to Twit Twit, and they use the exact same reasoning for cutting what can be described then and now as a butt ton of wrestlers. Yeah. And it, this is just their, this was their strategy of hoarding all the talent during the COVID-19 pandemic, just coming to bite them in the ass. You know, they hoard all the talent because, you know, smaller venues, smaller audiences would be prime for any of these unused talents, etc. And I don't know if it was just to, you know, crush the competition or, you know, make sure that WWE was the only wrestling related company that people would be watching to see specific stars. But uh, it was... It was a tricky. It was a tricky time for a lot of people, given that you know people were still getting laid off at a time where people needed jobs. So it's, I mean, it's flabbergasting to say to think how this could be an effective business strategy, especially when they still had this. They're in the midst of this um, multi-million-dollar Saudi Arabia deal where they're getting paid millions every year, and they're and they're blaming the excuse on budget cuts. So it's a little little contradictory in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, obviously you mentioned about talent holding, you know, the pandemic, you know, nobody's seen the pandemic come, well, a lot, some scientists claim to have seen the pandemic coming, but not many people would have thought the pandemic's coming then. So the fact they were holding so many wrestlers up till that point, you know, it wasn't seen as something like that. But the pandemic, Daniel, is a big thing because obviously the, the pandemic was about what, a month, two months old at the point where all these cuts happened. It kind of coincided with, you know, the annual spring cleaning, as Dave mentioned earlier. 
but I think this is where you've got to take, you know, your um, <coughs> management of your employees in a way, you know. You could be like, oh, we do this every year to save money. And it's like, yes, but at the same time, usually every year, the guys you release, they can go and they can do a house show in 30 days, you know. Hmm. in something like Mexico or something like that at this particular point no, these guys could not go work anywhere else other than AEW because WWE and AEW were the only guys who were recording shows when this batch of uh, talent got released like it's it was shocking as well because first off the excuse was um, we were furloughing staff and then there was some that were just outright releases and you'd think given I mean for the right okay so for the most part a lot of talent will turn up to TV and they're not required on TV. And they're getting money still, their their jobs are financially secure, the family situation at home will be fine. Perfect. Not a problem at all. They can just sit back, enjoy the show, see their friends, just take in free wrestling essentially for that night. But then to release everyone at a time where the world had grinded to a halt, to the point where even they film a documentary where The Undertaker reveals he couldn't even go home to attend his brother's funeral. That, and they decide, okay, we'll just release a whole bunch of talent. It was, it was quite frankly horrendous. And even some of these talent who were, you know, long-time employees of WWE, because I do remember the night that it happened, and every one of us in our group chat just practically freaking out like what the hell is going on here like it was horrendous and then even you know when they decided to have the audacity repeat it a year later the exact same thing yeah I mean Alan Daniels mentioned the furlough aspect of it now for anybody a lot of people who may be from the UK who are listening to this podcast they would hear them mentioning furlough and insulate in their head and they may be like oh that, I, I was on furlough and for the first three months of the lockdown and I was still getting I was getting full paid because the government were giving 80% wages and my work were turning it up but that's a thing that was done in the UK government in America when you were getting furloughed for a lot of companies you were kept on the on their books as employees but they only paid you not everybody was getting paid during this particular point so to say to somebody you're going on furlough is essentially saying in the US you don't have a job yeah, I mean, you, you have to look at this at the other point as well, right? Although they weren't getting paid, they still, if they were WWE employees, still got benefits. So if they had any health benefits, dental, anyway, they still qualified for those things. They just never got a salary. And like, you know, when it comes to the releases, another aspect people need to understand as well is, obviously it's quite, it's that, you know, these releases during the time, obviously it'd be quite a worry. But when these people are being released, they're getting a lump sum with the release. It's the rest of their contract. It's getting paid to them. So nobody's walking out with nothing in their back pocket. That's the other thing. So yes, it's, it's a worrying time, but some of these people that were released are on six-figure sums. You know what I mean? have two years left in their contract. So for example, say they were 100 grand a year, they're walking away with 200 grand in their back pocket. I mean, that's pre-tax, because they do their taxes once a year in the States. So they've got 200 grand in their back pocket, and let's just say simple figures, 50k of that is going to go to tax. Cool. They've got 150 grand there. Yes, they don't know when the next week money's coming in, but they still have a decent quality of life in that cash sitting and they can still use that and get by. So it wasn't, it's, so in some cases for some people, it actually may have been all right, especially those that may have been injured, thinking, okay, 
I've been given X amount. I've got enough to have to cover this for the next 18 months. I'm, I'm still banged up, I'm still injured. So let's just take this time rest and recuperate. So you've got to kind of look at both sides of it. But yeah, from a fan's perspective, yeah, it is kind of horrifying to see the amount that actually getting released and they're using budget cuts, especially with WWE 2020 and this year as well, of the highest share prices I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the point you make about the lump sum, Alan, is it kind of feeds into that whole people questioning is like, why do these guys have a 90 day no compete or for NXT, a 30 yeah. day no compete? But they do actually still get paid for that, obviously, that 90 day period. So they are getting the money for that time, which is a good thing in there. I think with the timing of this kind of, it was in April last year, the timing of it, it's the fact that you usually so many of them can spring. Uh, bounce back so quickly. We've actually seen that with a bunch of the ones that got released this year. So many of them are out right back and they're right hitting, you know, the high notes still again, you know. But for some of these guys, you know, it was that fact that the uncertainty for them that was just like, you know, I can start wrestling in July, but what wrestling's going to be there in July, you know? What's going to happen there? What companies are going to be there? Because obviously, for a lot of these independent companies, you know, they didn't have the luxury that like WWE and AEW have of having all these big television deals. Yeah, I mean, was it not? I think it was it maybe August, September last year. The first sort of indie wrestling events happened. They were in football fields. The Warrior Wrestling one, I think it was the football field one, yeah. Yeah, but there was quite a lot of places that were doing it in like football fields, and fields, football and, fields, backyard, junkyard, yeah, and stuff. And, you're not, I mean, okay, it might sound like a lot of people there, but really, I mean, you have to take it into consideration six feet apart, two chairs, and six feet apart, two chairs. Your attendance is probably only going to be a couple of hundred, and even if say they pay $10 a go, your pay is not going to be great. So it's it's still not the best, but I suppose it'd be better than, you know, nothing coming in. You still would get something for it. But yeah, I mean, it obviously was a worry. I mean, because not everyone that gets released is going to be signed by AEW as much as many of the marks think it is. You know, AEW can't sign everyone. Mm-hmm. Not, not trying. <laughs> it's fair to say any big name that comes about. There's not get much I, left to go, to be fair. Yeah, I know, definitely. Uh, Daniel, you mentioned that obviously when this hit the US last year, it, it came as a massive shock to so many wrestling fans. And uh, I think what I found so different with this release period, all the other ones I've mentioned before, like in 2014, they set out a big thing saying, these guys are gone. And you're like, cool, these guys are gone. But last year it seemed to be, they set out the thing going, these guys are gone. Okay, and then you'd, ch- you'd refresh it half an hour later, and there's another two guys on it. And you'd refresh it half an hour later, and there was another two guys on it. it was, you were just, it was just that kind of point going, as most of 2020 was for so many aspects of life, it's like, when is this going to end? I mean, in terms of names who were releasing in comparison to what we'll talk about in a bit, some of the names were not particularly shocking, but it was just like, what's going to be left on the roster? Mm. It's like you're looking at, you know, a whole horde of names who were cut at that point. Some who were able to spring back and do well, as you said, like, what was the face, I think? The one name that springs mind off the top of my head among the NXT releases, Diona De- Perazzo, who would yeah. eventually reappear in Impact a few months later. One of the biggest stars in the world right now. Exactly, yeah. She's brilliant. She would, she would end up becoming Knockouts Champion after a little bit of time. Like, she sprung back, no problem. You then had some other talents who would wind their way into Impact or AEW. 
who did very well. Uh, and then you would get names that you just would not expect, like, you know, for people who were as loyal to WWE as ever, Kurt Angle. They released, they they put him, I think, was he, he was either a release or a furlough, is one of the two. Yeah, and it was all these names who were being cut, and you're like, some of these names, why are you even cutting them? Like, you could understand, like, and then there was even, like, some who had signed to NXT hadn't even gotten on TV yet, aside from the awkward, like, being the crowd in the performance center stuff. Like, that, that, that hadn't even started at that point. But you, you get the idea. Like, they, they were cutting all these people who either had just literally joined and then were being shunned away again. And it was just... It was a... It was horrible as well because I remember it was a good like, what was it? It felt like an hour and a half that we were just sat there, and every five minutes there would be right. That's another five. There's there's five gone. Ten this time. There's another one gone, and it, you just would refresh the same article and new names added and new names added. I hated it. It was disgusting. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a great. You know, it didn't look great. And Dave, you rightly mentioned. What a lot of people pulled out. They had the big Saudi deal was up. So they were getting money for that. Saudi were still paying them even though there was no live shows going on. They had pretty much about six, six, seven months earlier started the showing SmackDown on Fox in one of the biggest wrestling TV deals they'd ever been. Mm-hmm. They had the regular subscriptions on the WWE Network. Without live shows, WWE recorded record revenues for 2020. Mm-hmm. Surely, 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 if you're going to get rid of wrestlers for budget cut reasons or just because you don't have a creative place for them, wait a few months, ride it out, see what happens, you know, because obviously, you know, we're six months in and we're still getting, we're still not fully in a normal place in any part of the world, but even though we're quite close to here in the UK. But surely you can write this out and just think, right, I could give these guys some stability during this one point in this few months, that early few months in particular, where we didn't know what the heck was going on. We didn't know if it was going away. We didn't know when a vaccine was coming. We didn't know anything, you know. Mm-hmm. Some people thought, oh my God, it from shaking hands. It's turned out to be a load of shite as well. And mm-hmm. um, just don't do it one month after the body didn't declare the pandemic. Wait mm-hmm. up, you know you're making loads of money. Yeah, I, I can hear you, the, the tension in your voice there. You're clearly not happy about how WWE operated the way they did, and so am I, to be honest, because any company or company director worth their salt would do everything in its power to protect their employees in such a, an unpredictable and challenging time, especially when you don't know the specific individual circumstances. You know, somebody could be... You know, this could be an individual's only source of income and it's what gets them to put food on their table, it what keeps a roof over their heads, etc, etc. This should have been a time where companies put their employees' welfare above everything else. Like, but unfortunately, there's still a culture out there where... Now, I'm not saying this applies to every company in the world, not like small businesses, etc, who, you know, aim to, like, serve communities and stuff. But when you're looking at big corporations whose top priority is pleasing their shareholders the the employees are just going to be unfortunate casualties and this was a prime example of what happened here because sure i mean there was going to be some financial fallout from covid 
but on this particular scale, I mean, you're practically you're practically releasing about a couple of companies worth of employees over the course of two years, and it's very very unethical practices on WWE's part. And I'm pretty sure some folk in the US Congress and Senate have responded to WWE's working practices uh, for particular reasons. Like one name in particular, I think that's been mentioned before on Central is Andrew Yang, who has- (laughs) Not like. (laughs) Yeah, like he's recently tweeted that, um, well, recently tweeted out, you know, about wrestlers who feel like they're owed money under the status of being classified as independent contractors, etc. Now, I don't want to go on to the, the nitty-gritty of, you know, terms and conditions, etc., because I don't fully know how WWE operates, but surely if a company's working practice is to immediately let go all the talent that they've deliberately hoarded at a time where obviously people need to work, but then if you're releasing just as many, it's arguably the most unethical thing a company could do at that time, especially when they're recording record profits. Yeah, see devil's advocate in Dave's point. Remember, these people, a lot of these people released were not employees; they were contractors, so they don't have the same rights. WWE don't have to keep them on. That's the thing, and I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying devil's advocate. That's how it looks. They don't have to keep them on. They're training a wage, and it's a wage that if they're not useful, no, that's what they're doing, and. Yeah, we've got a very different culture over here in the UK, especially in the US when it comes to how to look after employees, because the US is still very, very cutthroat. And your top executives and shareholders don't care, as they kind of mentioned, they don't really care. It's not about looking after employees, it's about looking after the shareholders, looking after the pennies. That's what it comes to, and that's how WWE acts. Without question, no ifs, no buts. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole debate of, you know, should they be classed as independent contractors? But that's a different debate altogether, you know. But- yeah, like, like I said, I wasn't going to label label the status of these these people and stuff because you don't know if they're employers or employees. You don't know if they're independent contractors, etc. That that creates a bit of confusion. But I'm not going to pretend like I know the the status of it because you know WWE's got specific terminology for it. I mean. Speaking of Andrew Lang, you know, three hours ago on the day of we, the day we were recording this show, he has tweeted saying, "If you to all former WWE performers, if you feel you're misclassified as an independent contractor, we're going to get the money to Vince Oji. So this could be something that spirals over the next God knows how long. You could have some guys gone back to the seventies, eighties who could be trying to claim that they're owed money by WWE if that happens, and that's." That's just going to be a completely big news story altogether. But the Iron Sheik was the heist of the century. <laughs> you owe me money, Papa. <laughs> if any guy was to come out and do that, it would be Sheik. You can just mm-hmm. imagine going, "Fuck you, Vince, give me money. <laughs> give me the money. Give me the money and fuck Hogan." Sheik makes a Marcus with remarkable recovery. He walks straight in Vince's office and goes, "Give me my money, you bastard." Well, the thing is. Heenan did say by the time he got to the ring it'd be WrestleMania 38. We're closer to WrestleMania 38 now. <laughs> oh jeez. Uh, now, Daniel, the thing about the thing is the amazing thing about it is on this day in 2020, wrestling fans all stood and said, How the hell can they do this? Why are they doing this? Then some guy in 2021 in a WWE office is sitting there is sitting there going, maybe in his head going, 
See if they do this again on this day. We're gonna look like absolute idiots. And they did it again! They released so many wrestles on the exact same day. The exact one year later. With the exact same method of literally drip feeding the releases throughout the day. They it was getting broken by the likes of Bob and Sean Ross Sapp and Bob and all of them guys. <laughs> it's just like, surely somebody with an ounce of common sense. Granted, the pandemic state probably was a bit different than it was that thing is, because there was vaccines. Granted, there was, was variant number 2602 smiling about. But same time, you know, have some common sense. Yeah. Again, there was a lot of the wrestlers that were released, you were sitting there going, yeah, okay, you know, fair enough. Mm-hmm. But still, one year exactly to the date, baffling. Like, it was not great at all, because like I'm looking, I've got both lists in front of me here from 2020 and 2021, and you're looking at names of people who are being released. Like, the first two I'm seeing here, Mike and Maria Canellis, who I'm pretty sure at that point were either about to have a kid or had not long just had one and cut from contracts and then you go through that list as well there's talent galore on here uh like gallows and anderson who had just been featured in the boneyard match with aj styles and undertaker and lifelong employees like mike yoda irs upcoming stars like Tay conte mainstays like rusev and then you think they can't muck this up anymore and sure enough, 365 days later, they muck it up a lot worse. They release not even like, you know, names that they release a few names that you're not surprised at. Bo Dallas hadn't been on TV for a while. Mojo Rawley, there wasn't a lot happening with him. Tucker Knight just had basically fallen to the wayside after they split him from Otis. But then they released big names like Mickey James, the Iconics, and the first one that got announced, Samoa Joe. Like it's, I think it stands to reason that we can just politely take a wee step back and just say very calmly, What the fuck were you thinking? It was... Alan, it was just like, it was... As Daniel's obviously mentioned some of the names who caught most people by surprise me. In hindsight with Gallows and Anderson, they probably were the first at Vince's door when he was saying, I'm going to release guys. And he just, they were probably like, yeah, I'll, I'll go. Because if you listen to them since then, especially Carl Anderson, <laughs> they are not fans of WWE. <laughs> but then there's the different end of the spectrum where you're like, a guy like Samoa Joe, he's let go. A week or so earlier, he was out at WrestleMania in a fucking poncho, trying to keep the show going. <laughs> and then... The, the more baffling thing is you've got a, there's a scenario four months later where Samoa Joe's holding the NXT Championship as well surely there's some, who, who's got the logic backstage to think right I'm gonna these are the guys that need to go I mean Billy Kay is another one Billy Kay was in a high profile program on Smackdown as the centre of the, the pack division it's like what are you doing Jack was also very adamant about Billy Kay staying in the company. He wants to protect his precious. Do you know, like, here's this thing, mate, again, it's purely speculative. I have no proof of this. I think they release some people just purely for shock value and getting trends on Twitter. 
I mean, there was no reason to release Mojo the Iconics. There really wasn't any reason to release them because Billy Kay got handed a shitty stick and what magic with it. Peyton Royce was starting to get a big push. You just mentioned Poncho Joe was hosting WrestleMania, you know. I think for me, they are just being for sure when we're like, okay, we've got unplanned in the next say, two months for them, so let's just see what happens. And then they've went and seen it and went, oh crap, and then we're like, we've got to get Joe back. Because apparently the day Joe was released, Triple H was on the phone to him saying, don't sign for anybody else, you'll be back here in a week, trust me. And they hung up the phone room. And yeah, he was back pretty quickly. But I'll come back and bite him in the arse. I mean, I know the Iconics were going to be putting out some today, I've not seen it yet. Um, I don't know if anyone else has. It's um, new theme music. Right, okay. I think they mentioned where? No, no, it's just no. new theme music they're using for their appearances going forward. Fair enough, but I mean, like, they're going to go. I mean, WWE should be learning from their mistakes. Cody Rhodes is possibly the biggest mistake they ever made in releasing because he's went and worked for all these other companies, became very close friends with the Bullet Club, and then his managed to talk in a multi billionaire son into starting what's now, for me, is probably the second biggest wrestling company in the world. And now it's putting WWE to the absolute mud. It's, they're walking all over them. Their roster stacked. Their shows are incredible. The way they treat their staff, because every every single wrestler is an employee, not a contractor. And especially what they did after Brody Lee's passing shows how that company is trying to show you. WWE released every Tom Dick and Harry under the sun because budget cuts. And he's like, well, do you know what? This guy has just died. His family don't know if they're going to have an income. Do you know what? We're going to pay his son for life. He's got a job here for life, no matter what happens, you know. And gives him the TNT title pledges that you're the undisputed, undefeated champion for life. You no, know, we small dishes last show why a lot of people want relations of doing my way AEW. You know, and now they, he must be, he'll never admit it to the rest of them. He must be saying, going, we fucked up. We really, we should not fuck Cody around. You know, they have to be, and that's the thing now, because there's so much variety out there now that you've really got to realise, like, they all kind of go to AEW and then pack in Pokemon, but there's so many other ones out there, like Ring of Honor, New Japan, MLL, GCW, you know, they've, they've got to start realising, I we can release everyone, but it's going to come back and bite us in the long run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, hey, one of the things that the 2021 releases is showing is it's a completely different landscape than any other time they've released any form of talent. Alan's mentioned the fact that they can seem to they can go anywhere. I mean, any time a guy gets released from WWE, is initially that there's always that gif of Cody like this with the ear, you know, <laughs> saying a, a Tony Khan one doing something is always like that. There was obviously what happened at Slammiversary at Impact last year. You know, their 2020 Slammiversary highlighted we we're gonna we could bring in anybody from WWE, they teased it, they did it again in 2021, and there's obviously a bit more claws out in terms of the people getting released, because in the past a lot of them just been like, all right, okay, all right, see, see you later, but you've seen some of the reactions from people getting released, you've seen Mickey James, who's posting pictures of her getting a black bag of clothes, you know, mm-hmm. you've seen Chelsea Green, who's not been shy to say what she feels. Yeah. We can't Mickey- just get away releasing people and then everybody just going, okay, fair enough, wash your hands off it. Not anymore, yeah. It's, you know, we're in a day and age where, you know, people aren't just going to keep quiet and accept it. You know, they can they can express their views to say if they've been un, been unjustly 
released or whatever some people you know have been more accepting of it you know but they still maintain a, a working relationship with wwe but that's probably for something that we'll probably discuss in a bit but some of the other names i think most of the ones that were featured on 205 Live, I don't think any of the fans are going to miss a lot of them because 205 Live wasn't getting a lot of viewing, like a lot of great viewing to begin with. But when you're talking more sort of high profile names on the main roster, as you said, Mickey James was a great example. Uh, and all the whole trash bag gate was, uh, was a big controversial issue. But what, uh, what I think was good about that is, is they actually rectified the mistake and the person responsible for it was fired. So I suppose that gives a bit of... Uh, bit of a saving grace to it but i don't think it really justifies doing the actions uh, to begin with it's hmm it, it does give the impression that they treat their employees as expendable like the company's the one with all the money all the power they've got a couple of guys in suits making all the decisions and it's it can be a very challenging time you know calling out against you know a a corporation that has all this power behind it and even though you can say you you don't agree with their policies or their process in the grand scheme of things there's not a lot you can really do unless you legally get involved yeah it's, it's i've always said the example in terms of companies like the biggest issue a lot of fans would probably have with wwe is the fact that a listed company they're on the stock market and when you're on the stock market, the big thing for you is the price of your shares, you know, and with wrestling, it's like with football in a way as well, you know, any type of sport, I mean, I, I don't know as much about football, who's on the stock market for certain football teams, I know Celtic are in Scotland here, uh, but it's such a, you're so reliant on your fan base for everything, you know, the big thing during the pandemic lockdown and there was no crowds is that fans make insert sport name here and the fact WWE are listed on the stock market I mean the big thing for them is the fans could scream to the rooftops we want Drake Maverick I'm using Drake Maverick as a hypothetical example I'm sorry Drake Maverick but if Drake Maverick main events NXT and it gets a crap rating and then the shares drop I mean instant thing they're going to think is well is Drake Maverick marketable as they look you know so that's the problem everything looked at that shares while as with AEW, while as with any other independent company, you know, independent wrestling company, their focus is obviously they need to make money. But their way, their focus is well keeping the fans happy because if the fans are happy, they're going to make money. WWE can, you know, stop putting on Raw and SmackDown, just pump out everything else on on the other other side of things, you know, just make crappy movies about Triple H on a bus, and they could still make a fortune. That's because you're a casual fan who maybe isn't any wrestling always know who WWE is. And you get your big events of WrestleMania, SummerSlam, the Rumble, Survivor Series, now probably the, the new fifth major money in the bank. Casual fans will, t- will tune in to watch it because they know, oh, this is a big one, so it might be something special. Whereas, like, AEW still kind of set themselves up and for me, me personally, I would class double nothing as like the version of WrestleMania. I mean, they used to their own, but you know, they expect, and you know when AEW has only got four pay-per-views, you know you've got to be invested in the storyline, whereas WWE, half the time, storylines are non-existent for them. Pish. So your casual fan can walk in and just go, oh, big spot, cool, nice. And they'll keep them happy. Yeah, there's, there's so many casual wrestling fans that even, mm-hmm. uh, you know, people who watch wrestling when they're kids, who will literally tune in and watch WrestleMania on the Rumble. 
Because mm -hmm. WWE could be absolutely in the pits and the Rumble would still draw you in. You might be annoyed at how the Rumble ends, but you're drawn in by the allure mm -hmm. of that Rumble. You know, but you know, that's a different argument altogether. It's uh, the same with it's the same with WrestleMania and SummerSlam, you know, it's there to be a spectacle. It's not necessarily all about the in-ring action, whereas you know, a company like AEW's very much focused on in-ring action and storyline, etc., with a little bit of spectacle on the side. So it, it, it just seems to find a better balance there. But yeah, the casual fans is what keeps it afloat. Whereas the day-to-day, -day, those are week by week, I should say, of like Raw and SmackDown can be so repetitive to some people, particularly those watching around the world. Whereas at a live event, you're more in the zone and you feel to lap up a bit more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, Daniel, when we get to June, things get a bit more confusing in terms of this you know this is somebody could write a book or a movie about this and people would think it's fiction uh you get to the start of it the start of june and we get this random it's sean ross sap who anybody who follows uh sean on social media at the moment he kills it with pulling out these exclusives about contracts and anything wwe is what he's brilliant for he pulls out he puts out a tweet going wwe have released the following and when you compare it to the other two scenarios we've talked about, this one really makes you go, what the hell is going on? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Santana Garrett, who wasn't getting used, so you're maybe starting off like, right, okay, fair enough. You get Ruby Riot, and you're like, hmm, I'm not too sure how this is going. You get Lana, and you're like, well, yeah, Rusev, Miro is away, that kind of makes sense. And then, Buddy Murphy's name comes up, and you're thinking, ooh, yeah. And then the other two, you get Alistair Black, who a week earlier returned to WWE TV on SmackDown, starting an angle with the now WWE Champion Big E. And you get Braun Strowman, who was challenging for the WWE title two months before it, fought Vince's son at WrestleMania. And now you're just kind of going, this is not right. Something is going on here. It, it was just it was another confusing mess because you're like these are like it's it goes beyond what we were saying earlier about like the kind of mid to lower card talents going now you're getting like mid to upper card talents and that's something you'd never would expect you would never see like a mass exodus of talents like this you know back in this this would be the equivalent of like if dirt sheets were if dirt sheets like what we have today were around in the nineties, that'd be the equivalent of. By the way, WWF are releasing the following today: Triple H, Chris Jericho, Mankind, The Undertaker, The Big Show. That that'd be the equivalent of that. People just didn't see this coming, especially when you think Strowman and McMahon had the the cage match as we mentioned. Alistair Black had just come back after having his eye gouged out by Seth Rollins. Classy. Um, it was just. I, you don't even know how to process it properly, to be honest. And even still, we're like, how did this even happen? Lana was in a hot streak with the tag team she was in with Naomi, and they were doing pretty well. She was improving greatly in the ring. And then other class towns like Buddy Murphy cut, and you're like, it can't get any worse, can it? Oh, wait, it did. Yeah, I mean... Dave, uh, Braun Strowman's a man close to your heart. If anybody's listened to the many seasons of the draft, you know, you did have him in season nine of the draft last year, which really would have hurt you quite a lot. I have a uncle of Braun Strowman as well, which I'm quite annoyed that he is 
Well, he's going to be in Liverpool next year, which helps as well, which could be handy for him who wants to see him. But it was just the fact that it, we'd waited years for Braun to be given a WrestleMania moment, and he was given it with that one machine, which made which was the weird thing about that. Then it kind of started coming out that he's on a big contract, and you're starting to get thinking going. The big thing is still coming. It's like, is Vince going to sell WWE? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's still plenty of talks going around there about, you know, WWE possibly getting sold to Disney in the next couple of years or so. And Braun Strowman, when I read that news, it was a massive shock because, you know, I am a, a Braun Strowman fan. I have been since about 2016 when he did break out as a single star. Uh, and I had I had the impression, you know, this, this guy could potentially be main event talent. I'm sure he got his uh, universal title run eventually, which I think was, personally, I think it was duly earned over time. Because he's he's one of those sort of larger than life characters that WWE actually booked very well when he first broke out as a single star, and I think you know he was sort of settled in very well as sort of in and around the main event scene, and he was paid a massive contract uh, with a massive salary. Like, could they not have just reduced it maybe? Because if pe- if they valued him as a performer, they would have kept him on, but maybe they could have said, listen where we could either reduce your salary or maybe make some other changes to maybe try and accommodate that. And I mean, who knows if he would have gone with it along with it or not. He might have just said, actually, no, I just want out if you're going to do that. So you have to, you, you can't really sort of see it until you get into the thinking of the other person's perspective. But just releasing Braun off the mat, off the bat, I think that's pretty poor considering how big of a name he was and how big of a draw he was to fans everywhere. There's a there's a lot of chat on the Strowman thing. Strowman was a, a really interesting topic in that particular point. There was a lot of talk about Black as well. There was a lot of talk he was going to go back to WWE. They were going to try and resign him. Then he shows up in AEW early because they fecked up his no release. He was meant to be a 90 day, but he still had his 30 day in NXT. But with Strowman, there was a lot of talk. There was a talk that some people thought he'd hit his prime as a wrestling talent. They didn't think he was going to get any higher than he was, he, he peaked. That was the thing, as he just thought he was going to go downhill from then, and the money he was on, it was going to be an issue. There's also a lot of talk that he claimed he was a WWE for life, so they could they maybe thought, maybe let him go off, do his own thing, and they could maybe get him back on a lower contract. But even then, that's in doubt now, because he's booked for some independence stuff as well. He's booked on the EC3, free the narrative stuff. Mm-hmm. You could end up in impact. It's very reasonable to end up there. So there's no there's no guarantee he's going to go back to WWE. But Alan, one of the things as well is I mean there was anything all this releases and a lot of the other ones that come after it. You're really they've mentioned budget cuts in the past, but this kind of did ultimately screen budget cuts because there was no cohesion between that and the on-screen stuff. Really, it was just falling apart. I mean. A classic example was at the end of June, they released a bunch of NXT and 205 Live guys, the first batch of them, we'll talk about the second batch just in a wee bit. But one of the ones they released, they released two guys who were on 205 Live. One of them was Austin Green, August Gray as he was called in NXT. He was, I'm sure it was him and Kirk Stallion, I'm sure it was him and Kirk Stallion, the two of them, I can't remember, the main obvious Stallion. But the day they got released, they were wrestling on that night's 205 Live against each other to the point that Green tweeted out going breaking news 
Tonight's 205 Live main event has just turned into a loser leaves town match. <laughs> Look at this cohesion. I know, as I said earlier, I think Strowman, I think, was also a huge shock. Um, I think, again, it comes down to the shock factor and it's, it's just to get a reaction to people. I generally think this one's back WWE now because weeks before he was released, there was a footage to him saying that Vincent Mann doesn't want him, he's retired, he's done for wrestling. I mean, he's a WWE guy throughout, all the way right through. You know, the fact that Vince on the main boss, the fact that he got into WWE after his powerlifting career seemed to come to an end. Uh, you know, WrestleMania 37, he's literally an hour away from his house and they phone him and say, uh, we need you to come back down to Florida. And he's like, I'm an hour away outside my house and they're like, tomorrow we're going to send a jet up to the nearest airport to think about 45 minutes from he stayed because you're coming to fight Goldberg and you're taking the Universal title. So they also thought, right, okay, Roman can't do it. He's the next big guy. Let's give him his moment, which he deserved. I don't agree with you, Dave. He deserved it. I think the timing of it didn't work. There was a time to put it on him and they didn't pull the trigger when they should have. Um, and it was quite shocking. So I think he could have been, as you say, like a lifer at WWE. And he's, he was really quite versatile. You know, he could do the humour stuff like, like he did for the kid at WrestleMania winning the tag titles. He could do the, the monster stuff where he was throwing stuff about and tapping trucks and destroying stages and making Lesnar look like a wee bitch, you know. He could do it all. And the fact that the way they've done it, considering how vocal he was about how much he loved the company and what was up for wins, I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying it's definitely not much it cuts, but I, I'm very skeptical about a lot of these and I think it is purely for shock factor. Let's get ourselves trending because WWE loves to be the number one trend in the world. Whether it's a Raw, SmackDown, a pay-per-view, it's always something you have to be number one. Whether it's good or bad, they don't care. And I think they just sort of fuck it. We need to get one out. Alistair Black to a lot of people say side might not be enough to get that. So what, let's just release Braun, who's one of our top fucking guys. Let's see what happens. Mm, yeah. And you know, I think personally I think looking at some of this stuff for I me, mean, it's there is an aspect of it there. Maybe I'll try to get a shock factor out of it. There's a quote I think it is coming if it's Nick Can or Vince on a WWE conference call that pretty much said, well, maybe we can give AEW some other guys. And you're just thinking, like, that's a weird statement to be making. Yeah. And then there's other things off of it as well. I mean, you, releasing talent at certain point, releasing talent when they did it in 2020 does not help with the goodwill. Mm. The kind of way these releases are going, they're, 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 you feel like there's points that are just losing any goodwill they make. A classic example, the Smack, Smackdown and the Smackdown before and the show Money in the Bank. Crowds came back. Both shows were very, very well received. People absolutely loved them, you know. John Cena came back at Money in the Bank. Big E won Money in the Bank, you know. This is great. Then not long after it, news comes out that Bray Wyatt's been released. Now, I don't... It's not... Bray Wyatt... It wasn't even a, a big raft of releases. He was just let go. And you're just kind of... You are questioning just like... What is, what is the... Are, are you testing the competition? type idea because you know are you just taking a risk to try and boost something i I don't even know what their logic would have been because they went from releasing you know guys that we mentioned like august gray they released uh 
was it they released Kelly and Dane, they released Freeze Angle, which was another duo people were really surprised at. Uh, Marina Shafir, you know, another one of the the MMA four horse women gone from WWE. And then they released Bray Wyatt and the reports surrounding it just said it was a budget cut. But you're thinking, this is a guy who has moved a lot of merch over the last year or so through his stuff with The Fiend, his partnership with Alexa Bliss. He had been such a focal point in storylines, even though booking storyline-wise had mostly been ridiculous. He had been very... Now, obviously we're aware he'd been off TV for a while, given what happened with Brody Lee. Fair enough, took time off to make sure he was okay. He then... You know, there was rumors going around whether they were true or not of him thinking maybe I came back too soon after for Mania and then he was off TV for a while again but then just out of the blue that release comes and we're like the crowds were back they could have easily like given us a, a brilliant moment with the Fiend like reboot the Fiends, let him go and do whatever he wants that that goes and then you know unfortunately the release is continue on as I'm sure we're about to say because I mean it's only a few days later there's another big release and how can it get any worse than Bray Wyatt they released the fucking nature boy I mean the the, the, the difference Alan with Flair I think is Flair actually went and requested his release apparently he said he wanted to go he wasn't happy with how uh, his stuff was getting booked you know so I mean they had him like winching Lacey Evans in front of his daughter like yeah yeah that was creepy I mean mm. like Flair was up, apparently as well wasn't very happy the way you know um, Charlotte was being booked and see because he's not an active wrestler I don't think it was as big a stop to make it I mean like, I'm going to say something very controversial but you all know about Flair I'm going to say it publicly Bray Wyatt being released was not a big deal I mean I'll tell you why the guy had had more time than anyone else in that company to regenerate himself and come back. And every time he did, he'd have an instant flash of greatness. It'd be great. And then he'd just die the death. Bray Wyatt would ramble. His promos were long, irrelevant and boring. The Fiend had real Undertaker-type potential. He thought, wow, this is something. And his matches were garbage. I didn't like the the Funhouse. I just thought, no, I can't watch this. It just wasn't for me. But... He never had any absolute classic matches. He was a great storyteller, but you get that initial reaction, he get the hook in, he get but he just couldn't keep it going. So that's why I don't think Bray Wyatt was a huge loss in WWE. Yeah, he sold a lot else, right? But, you know, doesn't necessarily mean that he's had the greatest matches, the greatest, you know, stories to tell. I just, I don't think it was a big match. And I think, I hope he does well with EW. I'd love him to prove it wrong, but as it stands, Looking from the Nexus right through the release, he didn't do much for me. Yeah, he got a WWE title, a new universe title, but wasn't a great champion as either. So what I've seen online and what I've heard from a lot of people is a very, why it's very Marmite. You either love him or you hate him. There's no in between the why. There's a lot of guys. I don't, I don't hate him. I just, I just don't see it. I'm just like. Like, people go on to John Cena coming to see news, right? Okay, he's going to see news. But how many major matches he had have been absolutely expected? incredible. Look at Money in the Bank against Punk. One of the best matches in history. You know, he did a, a match against AJ Styles to see who was going to win, who was going to go on to the Rumble. 
and he won. He beat AJ Styles. Incredible match. He's matching AJ Styles at the Rumble. Superb. He's a phenomenal wrestler, right? He, he, his gimmick is all going to get seen now. And he's had great storylines, especially with the Nexus. A wee inside joke there. But, you know, I just, I don't hate, I don't hate Ray Wyatt, right? I don't hate him, but I just, thanks to him, he's always a mid traveler at best. The Fiend, when he first popped on, thought, right, okay, you could be a main event level, take a Fiend kind of going, could be the new bad sort of bad guy, he's funny, with the evil sort of, and it just died at best. And yeah, Goldberg's got a point to play in that, but even still, out with Goldberg, there's still with a lot of matches, the Fiend have just gone, ah, toilet break. You know, yeah. that's how I kind of felt with him. But he has, as you say, like, he has very, he's very polarising, he has like kind of gone seen on that way. Yeah, because I've seen I've seen some people say he's one of the best storytellers WWE's ever produced. I've also seen a lot of guys who have said normally he's only had one good match, and that that one good match was the best wrestler on the planet when he faced Daniel Bryan at Royal Rumble 2014. Uh, Dave, I'm going to come on to you for this next point because um, and we, we mentioned that there was releases not long after Wyatt and a place close to your heart. NXT had a lot of releases. Don't, don't, don't. On August 3rd, which really fell into a, a lot of maybe a chain effect after that because they released a ton of wrestlers, including Bronson Reed, who had been had been North American champion, Bobby Fish, who was in the Undisputed Era, Tyler Rust, who was on TV the week before that week with Diamond Mine, Mercedes Martinez, Jake Atlas, you know, Leon Ruff. A lot of guys in NXT getting released. Yeah. Now, in the eyes of many people, this has led to a lot of speculation that maybe the uppers don't look well at NXT. Not surprised, not long after that, that we saw the US come out of NXT being rebranded, which relaunched this week at time of recording. And has also led to a lot of people speculating that maybe these guys in NXT are going to start looking and think, you know, maybe I'm no valued, maybe you know, they might just want to cut me. Maybe I could be on a prominent angle one day and be released the other the next day. And that whole speculation, there's no surprise. Adam Cole's in AEW now. He's not on, he's, he rejected the main roster, you know. There's talk of Johnny Gargano's deal's been up, his deal's up in, in December and he's been an NXT for life type idea. Could this be a realization to many of these guys that they might not be valued? For sure, yeah. I mean, when they announced that they were going to redo NXT, you know, focus more on, you know, they, they wanted a specific criteria. You know, they wanted folk under the age of 30. They wanted guys that were like at least 250 pounds and six feet tall. Ideally, basically Vince's wet dream. Uh, essentially, he wants to be put back on NXT. Where, But it's, com- it's completely the opposite to what made NXT so successful since around 2012. Like for 10 years, NXT had a format which worked brilliantly and it slowly evolved into WWE's best product in terms of both wrestling quality and storyline. You know, and that's why I've always enjoyed watching NXT. They've kept it simple. It's a much smaller roster and the match quality is outstanding. Like it's the simple formula for any successful promotion uh, to go ahead specific talents that really stood out to me for this release. Bronson Reed was a key one because he had only just lost the NXT North American title and it looked like there were rumours that he was going to get moved to Raw or SmackDown and then all of a sudden, boof, gone. Like, 
I do not understand what they were thinking, especially when they were talking about possibly moving him up. And he would have done great on the on either Raw or SmackDown. You know, for a big guy, he's so agile. And I th- he would have been a really good, you know, superstar to keep an eye on. Tyler Rust was another one who was only just starting to get prominence as part of the diamond mine. And all of a sudden, boof, he's gone too. Like, there was just so many potential storyline opportunities where they could have made do with some brilliant talent and they just let it go. Same could be said for Bobby Fish. You know, he could have been a guy, you know, who elevates talent, but still would have had a prominent featuring role on NXT as a as a veteran. And he would still have the history of Undisputed Era, even though they've all gone their separate ways now. It's Some of these are just absolutely baffling when you put it in context. And one last point as well, Jake Atlas. He has now said he's done with wrestling for a while. He just can't cope with it anymore. So he wasn't keen on going to other, promo- other promotions or doing other things. Like, he's done with it. And he's not even 30 yet. It's it's madness. I mean, I mean, the one thing I will say quickly on the Jake Atlas, I don't want to speculate anything because mental health, you don't really want to speculate, but he did, re- he was, he had been talking about wanting to wrestle in AEW and he'd also been on Ring of Honor just this weekend there. He did have a match with Tyler Rust, I believe. Mm-hmm. So there is probably more underlying reason to it than him simply just being released by NXT. In terms of the NXT rebrand, just quickly, I, I quite like it. You know, I actually, I actually, I'm, I'm, I actually don't mind it. You know, there's guys in there who, who are capable. You know, there's, uh, the Creed brothers look good. You know, Rick Steiner's boy looks a unit. It's obviously I don't want to make judgments on it because it could fall flat on its arse. But yeah, I can like, I, similar to the NXT of 2014, 2015, where the likes of Bailey and Sasha Banks came through, and you're like, 2014 I'm not I'm not too optimistic about this new NXT brand, but I'm not gonna, you know, dismiss it entirely altogether. I think it's worth seeing how it goes. Uh but if Vince and Bruce Pritchard are the ones overseeing it, I don't have a lot of confidence. So you have to excuse my pessimism on on that one. Uh, to reassure you apparently Pritchard and Vince were not at NXT last week. It was run by Shawn Michaels apparently. Kevin Dunn was there, which is not good in itself. But mm. at least it was just him, you know. And if we get good segments like the Index Wedding, you know, that was that was brilliant. Like no two ways about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he spoke. You know, he's a he, Dexter Lumis class. You know, if I, I was everybody could react to a wrestling segment the way Austin Fury reacted to Dexter Lumis saying "I do." So mm. it's an amazing moment. Sure. Uh, I've got to actually go around you to kind of round off the show because we were going to talk about other mistakes that WWE make but I think given the, the level of detail we went into in this show and the time we've got left we could probably have a series of shows on WWE's mistakes you know we can talk about them in a lot more detail than they deserve and not rush them so I'm just going to go around obviously the thing is the thing is obviously Adam Cole left at the end of his contract he went back to AEW sorry Dave I got my Adam Cole AEW t-shirt today yeah, you t- and I'll you. Wait a sent- I don't know why I'm doing that. <laughs> and you sent me a- and you sent me a picture of it as well. You know what? I'll praise you for uh, for supporting his merch. But there's also, there's also been speculation. Pete Dunne, his contract was up. He signed on. A lot of speculation about Kevin Owens' contract coming up. Johnny Gargano's contract coming up. Loads of these big talent releases are happening. It must obviously have an impact morale-wise. You know. I'm doing it to say this as well, 2.0. Kevin Owens is apparently a big fan of the former Ever Rise tag team. 
So them getting let go probably is not a good thing. You know, and we saw a couple of months ago how the effects of Tyler Breeze's release had on Adam Cole when he was on a live Twitch stream. He found out about it and he looked visibly upset, which probably fed into his maybe reason going to AEW. Do you guys think that if WWE continues with this strategy they're doing currently at the moment, where it looks like they're balancing the books in terms of their assets to potentially sell, there's no actually guarantee they'll sell, do you think this could actually bite them in the bum to the point that they maybe lose a lot more of their established talent and then if it does come to a point that they do sell, they might struggle to get the same level of stars that they did have without pretty much going back five years and starting from scratch. Uh, Daniel, what are you? what's your thoughts on that? I would say definitely, because it's one thing obviously to look good and on the books. It's another thing for perception from the public and then by extension shareholders who will actually view the product actively because if they're constantly releasing people whether it's like top tier talents or mid cards to you know balance out the books you don't want that kind of instability on a company's roster you'd rather have some level of stability that you know some of these people are going to be there and if there's people who don't want to be there they can request a release or whatever they don't have to be locked into a contract for whatever stupid reason i really don't see their strategy right now going so well because if it's going to be a period of oh my god shop release like today it's literally going to become a case of well wwe hasn't released people in a while oh that's fantastic you know and you don't want it to be that ever like no one ever sat there during the monday night wars going oh wwf's let them go wcw should crop them up in a few days like it it shouldn't be that it's more a case of you want to see these guys do well you want to see them be in a good place wherever that company is AEW, wwe impact ring of honor any wrestling company under the sun but for wwe's public perception right now i can see it really negatively impacting it mm-hmm. uh alan what do you think if WWE keep going the way they're going with two years, AEW will be the biggest wrestling company in the world. I guarantee you. They are short of roster and SmackDown, in my opinion. They don't have enough there to keep competitive storylines going, and it's going to become very, very repetitive in about a year to 18 months' time. I mean, we're all going to get fed up watching Roman Edge. Or, you know, they don't have a lot there to play with. Um, their reputation will stink, well, already will start to stink, it will get worse if they continue. So, any sort of rising talent in the Indies, Impact, they're going to think, well, AEW's don't want me, and WWE's offered me a two year deal, maybe I'll just stick with Impact, Impact, see what happens. You know, the, the choices are there, and now people will be like, WWE is not the be all and end all in wrestling. You know, everyone's got their own favourite. You know, Grant Me Robbie's New Japan, you know, Dave's WWE, my new favorite, I'm personally AEW now, it's my favourite. Um, I, I think, you know, WWE, if they keep continuing, uh, two, within two years, they will no longer be the biggest in the, biggest in the world. And they're, they're going down the plan as far as I'm concerned. And I know it's, it's an easy point of finger, I'm blaming Vince, but Vince has people to answer to. You see the shareholders to answer to. So, if he doesn't keep them happy, they pull their funding, then he's got to pump his own money in. So, 
he's, he's trying to find a, a, a happy medium, and I don't think he knows now how to do it. That's his uh, Dave, what about you? Oh, WWE's in a bit of a pickle, to say the least, because if they're letting their biggest competition scoop up all these talents that could have been used at any point or another, whether it's on Raw, SmackDown, or NXT, then not only are they at risk of alienating their fan base, I mean, that's why people are, I think, are jumping ship to AEW now, and myself being one of them, but still sort of on the fence a little bit, because I want to give this new NXT product a chance as well. Uh, but it's like I said earlier, it all comes down to pleasing the shareholders. And, you know, if that results in, you know, casual fans, you know, increasing buy rates for their big shows and, you know, venturing out on their other projects that aren't related to the in-ring action or the live events, if that's what WWE makes their money, then they can be pleasing their shareholders. But from a wrestling fan's perspective, they're just going to feel like the companies betrayed them. And that's why they're moving to to other companies and if WWE starts losing their, their wrestling fans you know they can't exactly uh, and I know they're not technically branded as a wrestling company because they're sports entertainment but it doesn't make a lot of sense if they're entertainment focusing on other ventures but not putting all the focus primarily on in-ring action because that's what it technically was founded on and yeah they've just let too many golden gooses let go when they could have made something with them. Yeah, because I, I mean, personally, the, uh, uh, we are off the back, I will say, of one of the best all-round weeks in the wrestling business that we've had in a while. There was a great smackdown at Madison Square Garden uh, with the Raw with Big E cashing in, which was recorded well, last week when this came out, which is good. Last night's Raw, by the day of this release, could have been crap and I may have looked like an idiot, but at the time of recording, the last Raw was quite good. Uh, and we've got a massive week in AEW this week with the Grand Slam and the Rampage coming from Arthur Ashe, you know, so... Yeah, there is a... There is, but the, the, WWE could still... Because WWE have this habit of when they do something right, it, it really is great, but it's not consistent mm. enough. And if they lose a lot of their stars, they do worry that maybe the eyes will be off for these big moments again. So they need to kind of strike a better balance, as you guys have said. You never know as well. AEW is absolutely brilliant right now. They could have a point in a couple of years' time where their talent contracts run out. They hire, they've got absolute bloated rosters. Like a lot of guys not being used. And they could have issues with releases as well. I mean, Tony Khan at this point in time does stand out as a guy who treats his, his staff right. And it might just be a case of when their contracts are up, they get let go, and it's not a case of them getting cut. But we're not actually going to know what's going to happen with that until AEW's a bit older. And obviously there is still an impact of let guys go and everything like that. So it's worth looking at do. But at the moment in time, WWE, if they keep doing this, doesn't look great. And the only thing that stands out to me is they are planning on selling. You know, they're planning and balancing that book. They're bringing home, get homegrown guys in. I mean, Adam Cole jumping ship will not help the matters at all. They will not be thinking, I'm going to bring in loads of these indie guys and have the biggest, the one who I put the most effort into, jump ship the first chance he gets. But who knows? That's what it's going to be. But they have shot themselves a wee bit in the foot with these releases. And we've obviously went into it in a great bit of detail on how it's affected the company over the past couple of years. And I think it's fair to say it really has. But hopefully, it turns around. And you never know. If it doesn't turn around, you know, hey, we've got Kenny Omega versus Daniel Bryan at Arthur Ashe. 
Brian Danielson, sorry. <laughs> I keep saying Daniel Bryan. It's just habits, old habits die young. Imagine when Bray Wyatt debuts, whenever he debuts, and we have to call him Wind on the Thunder. I hope yeah. Or hope call him or call him the I don't know the the demon or something. No, actually no, that demon's already been taken. Uh call him the 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 poltergeist or something. <laughs> Don't call that as him. They've got Matt Hardy on the books to call him the what? What was it? Hardy called him the devourer of celestial entities. That was one of my favourites. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like he went to Joey Tribbiani's thesaurus with that one, the the one about full size aortic pumps. <laughs> Anywho, I hope you have all enjoyed our look at the re- releases of WWE over the past couple couple of years. As bad as the mistakes of WWE, and as I've mentioned, we weren't going to talk about other mistakes WWE made, but I don't think we'd have given it enough time. So maybe um, part of our packed feature schedule, we will do more shows on mistakes of WWE because we could be there all day and we could do loads. So keep tuned into that by hitting the subscribe button on your podcast platform of choice. This is the first time you are listening to us. We've got loads of content on our on our feed. We've got our weekly news show. Yes, it's our central. We've got this feature show every week. We've got Saturday Draft Live. So much content on there and on our YouTube channels as well. So hit subscribe to all of them and follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Suplex Retweet. On the feature show, next week, we have a profile on arguably one of the most influential and important stables in wrestling history. We will be talking about the Bullet Club. Yeah, so that's going to be an interesting one from their time in New Japan Pro Wrestling, Ring of Honor. We might even talk about how the Elite came about and obviously the formation of AEW off the back of that. So much great stuff coming up from us over the rest of 2021. But from us on this show today, I'd like to thank my panel. First of all, David Hockney. Thank you. Uh, to Alan, thank you. Cheers, mate. And to Daniel, thank you very much. Gracias, senor. Yeah, I've been Stephen Wilson, and we'll see you next time here on ESSR Feature. Have a good one. There now follows an enthusiastic advertisement for Quiz Showdown. Hello guys, welcome to Quiz Showdown. I'm Daniel Campbell and in this show you're going to see the members of the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet team go through a very strange quiz. We don't know what the heck's going on with it, but you're going to have to watch to find out. Go check out on the YouTube channel now. That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown. Sports Social Podcast Network.